Could you spot a crisis before it strikes your organization? I'm Edward Siegel, a leadership strategy senior contributor for Forbes.com and author of the best-selling and award-winning book, Crisis Ahead, 101 Ways to Prepare for and Bounce Back from Disasters, Scandals, and Other Emergencies. My guest today is Chris Rosaka, president of Rosaka Communications and author of The Power of B2B Social Media. In this episode, he discusses how government agencies and companies can spot a potential crisis and the dangers they'll face if they don't. Welcome to Crisis Ahead, Chris. I'm glad you could join me today. Thank you, Edward. Glad to be here. Why do you think companies and government agencies uh, should be on the lookout for a crisis? Well, there's a lot riding on it, uh, particularly in this day and age where social media and um, the internet make the spread of information happen in seconds rather than in days or weeks. Um, it's, um, it's, it's critical in this day and age to, uh, to really be aware of what's being said, not only uh, externally among your target audiences or stakeholders, but also within your organization as well. Do you think some organizations are more or less likely to have a crisis? And if so, which ones? And why do you think that's the case? Well, uh, you know, it's an interesting question. We were just having this discussion internally um, amongst our management team. And we've seen that, that crises occur with our nonprofit clients, with our NGOs, with NGOs that we've represented, um, with corporations and with government entities as well. So it's really um, non-discriminate. It doesn't discriminate. Crises or a crisis will not discriminate and can tarnish your reputation um, and damage not only your, your reputation, but that can lead to uh, certainly issues with uh, employees and dis employee dissatisfaction. Uh, it can lead to uh, loot the loss of contracts, government contracts or, uh, or others. Um, so there are a whole um, you know, host of reasons why, regardless of what kind of industry you're in or sector you're in, that you should pay real close attention to monitoring for crisis situations and proactively addressing them. Well, can you give us a few examples of the early warning signs that would signal uh, a crisis is, uh, is on the horizon for uh, an agency or, or company? Sure. And, and you know, the, the early warning signs um, really fall into a, uh, several different categories, Edward. Um, first, of, uh, first and foremost, social media. Um, red flags on social uh, platforms could include negative comments. Um, and certainly you want to look at the volume of posts, piggybacking on negative comments, uh, negative hashtags with your organization's name um, in them, uh, negative trends uh, or comments on your pages or in your groups, because you may belong to certain groups, say on LinkedIn, um, and, and that can all be monitored. Um, and, you know, again, you want to be mindful of a comment that is compounded with other negative comments because 
those become really the the the, the leading uh, posts on Twitter, for example. Um, if there's a negative comment and another is uh, added to that thread, um, that will be the top post, that negative post, even if there's additional information subsequently added to counter that information, say that it's, say it's false information. Um, and then, of course, you have to really look out for accounts that are created to attack your organization. Fake accounts are very common on social media. Um, they can impersonate an organization. They can impersonate an individual. Um, so the social is one big area. And then another would be, you know, comments from your customers uh, and feedback from your employees. One of the things that we always say is if you don't truly have an open door policy, you can, you can really bury yourself because if people don't feel comfortable coming to you and expressing an issue or their dissatisfaction, that will start the social media engine, that will start negative uh, email exchanges. So you really need to have, people need to feel like they can vent, like they can communicate without um, uh, being singled out or uh, penalized for, for speaking up. It almost sounds um, like it's uh, contagious, almost like a, uh, a virus that it will spread uh, from person to person or to post to post and uh, make a crisis uh, that much worse. So would you say that would be the case? Yes, and uh, indeed. And, and the other thing is that if you don't address it in a timely fashion, and you don't address it with a level of empathy or understanding, you're setting yourself up for a landslide of negativity. And just as you were suggesting, it's a snowball effect. So you, you really want to not only listen to people, but then empathize and say, okay, here's their point of view, their perspective, and rather than having blinders on, right? So, um, yeah, and then, and then there's, you know, another way to kind of keep your finger on the pulse of, of your reputation uh, and uh, a way to prevent crises is to also monitor mainstream news media uh, as well. Certainly, um, you know, there are free platforms that you can use like TalkWalker and there are paid uh, that that you can also use for for monitoring what's being said, but we always suggest using a multitude of tools. Use as many tools as you can possibly combine, because there's no one platform that can monitor all channels. So so it's really important to use uh, multiple multiple tools. A lot of them are free. Um, and social platforms, you know, you can do, you can do listening manually and without buying expensive software. Um, if you have say an intern or a team, um, uh, that can, a team of interns that can, uh, monitor on your behalf. Uh, we, we certainly suggest that.
But that sounds like it'd become a full-time job for a staff person, an intern, or uh, a corporate official. Uh, how do you keep this in perspective so that monitoring does not become your full-time job and you're able to do uh, whatever else you're supposed to be doing at the organization? Right. And and that we uh, for that, we have found that combining free tools with paid services, particularly with social monitoring, um, that pays off in the end run. So you may find a social listening tool that can monitor all but say one or two platforms. Um, and that would then save your team's time monitoring, um, you know, uh, doing them individually, each platform. And then when it comes to monitoring traditional media, um, using a combination of tools, TalkWalker, Google Alerts, um, if you have Cision or one of the other, um, you know, Meltwater, or one of the other platforms that you already have, many of those have listening, um, news listening or news monitoring uh, components. Then you're, again, you're widening the net and you're more likely to catch things from being said. And that's not going to be a heavy lift because you can monitor once daily. You don't have to do it every hour on the hour. Um, and you can use the paid tool, say for social listening to monitor at a frequency that you'd like that you can, again, you can schedule it uh, as often as you'd like in most cases. And what about events or current developments in the news? So late breaking news that happens that could affect your industry, your, your profession or your business directly. What's the best way to keep on on top of those uh, developing situations? Well, there are certainly we we monitor for um, for legislation. We monitor for legal action like lawsuits. Um, it, with some clients, we're monitoring um, for recalls, product recalls. Um, most in most instances. Um, you know, if you're doing, if you're monitoring for your own name, of course, you know, it's going to be easy to monitor for key industry, um, key phrases. So your industry's key phrases, um, you know, again, might include some of the things that I mentioned. The other thing that you'll find is that in many trade publications, and we work extensively with uh, nonprofit, education, and healthcare clients. So we're reading those trade publications regularly um, from the Chronicle of Philanthropy to the Chronicle of Higher Education, right? So you'll see trends identified in those publications and we read them online. We monitor those publications online. We're able to identify trends that are um, very, very uh, high profile. So for instance, in education, our education clients, and we have a, a you know a number of them. They're right now they're faced with AI and the role AI is going to be playing in in education. Right, that's actually taken a turn, and a lot of negative stories have run in not only the trades but of course in mainstream media about AI. So we want to know what's being said, and then of course that creates an opportunity for our clients if we flag to them and say. Hey, there's an opportunity to talk about the positive 
aspects of AI and how that can not help students cheat, but help teachers do mundane tasks so they can in turn help students uh, individually and spend more time with students working with them, then you're, you're now adding a value to your, to the organization by identifying an opportunity that again, emerged from something negative that was, that was, that's been written about. What about Google alerts? I know a lot of people turn to that as uh, one of the free tools to use to monitor for the keywords. Uh, how does that stack up against the other tools you've mentioned? So we find that, um, we, when combining tools, you're a lot more likely to, to flag them, to catch them. We've had Google Alerts miss very important stories that our clients really needed to hear about. They needed to um, identify the issue that the Google, Alert, the Google Alert missed altogether. So when we do our monitoring, we combine two free tools, TalkWalker Alerts, Google Alerts, and we combine that with our paid, um, our paid tools. Um, and in our case, we're, we're using Cision for monitoring, but there are you know, a number of different platforms out there. That's on the traditional news side. And then for social monitoring and listening, there are a number of tools and they have their advantages and disadvantages. We've used three or four um, and, um, you know, you get, again, you have advantages and disadvantages to each platform. What I can say is that even some of the traditional news monitoring tools that are free um, will also catch social, but um, not, not uh, with a high level of accuracy. What policies and procedures do you think organizations should have in place to help ensure that they're uh, monitoring for these early warning signs? Should they build this into their policies and procedures manual, uh, bake it into the crisis management plan? Uh, what's the best way to make sure they're doing it the, the right things the right way at the right time? Well, regardless of whether you're infusing policies and procedures for to identify early warning signs of crisis situations uh, that can impact your reputation, these policies need to be in place. So they don't have to necessarily be part of your crisis plan, but your social media team or your communications team or your public relations team, for instance, has to have policies and procedures that identify necessary action steps with social listening. Um, and again, this is something that covers a part of it, but then your internal communications, that was the other piece that we discussed. And there need to be, I believe, human resource policies around and this needs to and this needs to start at the top this needs to start with your c-suite and your hr department needs to be supported by the c-suite to really ensure that people have that freedom again to express their concerns 
So it does not create an email chain and it does not result in, as you said, that snowball um, effect and that you're able to identify early on issues with the workforce, those internal issues that can make a huge impact on stakeholder perception and public perception of your organization. So, uh, so one example is, you know, whistleblowers, right? Whistleblowers historically have gotten a very bad rap. What are they doing? They're coming forth and they're telling the truth. And they're, they're, the perception of a whistleblower is not a good one. It's not a positive one. And frankly, they're not generally not supported in any way, shape, or form uh, within an organization or publicly. So that needs to go away and the stigma associated with that. And again, um, adapting and changing your policies to welcome comments that you might not want to hear about, um, that's a smart move. From your perspective, are there any government agencies or businesses that you think are doing a good job monitoring for a possible crisis? And um, if so, can you name a few? Sure. Um, you know, there are, I'll give you, Proctor, you know, Tide uh, Pods, they had a situation, I'm not sure if you recall the Tide Pod Challenge, but um, yeah, and this is a consumer brand and, and um, certainly uh, I think a, a real good um, indication of how quickly an organization can and should act. There was a Tide Pod Challenge and it turned out that teenagers were actually eating Tide Pods. And these are the, 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 the pods that go in your laundry. And, you know, that's, no one told, no one suggested that kids eat these, right? I mean, this is, this is really not a smart move. So they hired Rob Gronkowski, NFL uh, superstar, uh, as you know, from, from the Patriots. And he did a video and he's tough, right? He's a tough, um, he said, he says it like it is, you know, he states it like it is. He's tough, no dilly-dallying around, and he got tough in his messaging and said, no, who said it was okay to eat these things? Um, and it was done in, in a way that um, demonstrated that this organization is monitoring and very quickly addressing, in this case, a potential public health disaster, right? If a, if a large enough number of, of kids um, consume them, it would be, it would be disastrous. There'd be a lot of hospital visits, right? Um, so that's one example. And then, you know, another is the, the Starbucks, um, racism, um, case that happened a couple of years ago. Um, Starbucks closed 8,000 stores, um, for racial bias training. After that occurred, and if that doesn't demonstrate they're taking this serious, then nothing would, because closing eight thousand stores is is um, is a is a you know that's a big statement right there, huge statement. So 
I think that, you know, a lot of the consumer brands are, are doing this. But again, you know, in the world of business to business, I think there's room for improvement. I think there's room for improvement in education, even in healthcare, um, as well as in the nonprofit world, because you want to understand sentiment. You want to understand what people are saying. So I think certain sectors are behind. Consumer products know that it's important, but I think certain sectors really need to step up and do a better job of monitoring and quickly responding to, to crises. Well, you mentioned companies and organizations that appear to have done a good job in being proactive, but what can we learn from companies or even government agencies that fail to heed the warning signs and they're essentially in a state of denial for a crisis? Uh, can you name some companies that might fall into that category? Sure. Well, you know, there have been, um, you know, there, there are a number of uh, organizations that either have not you know, listened uh, or not treated a situation um, as, as though it's important. Um, and, you know, that, that did happen with Volkswagen and they, they, they kind of turned it, they did turn it around. Um, but uh, initially, you know, their misreporting of, uh, uh, of their, um, of the situation in, in regard to uh, pollution and uh, controlling the output of toxic, uh, you know, highly toxic levels of exhaust. Um, in the beginning, it was just radio silence. And um, they, again, they did come around and they, they, they finally did something, but, you know, there are also government, um, government organizations. Um, I believe it was, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, state it, uh, state it wrong, but it had to do with the department of education. I know that. Um, and in their correspondence, the department of education had multiple typos in public statements. There were multiple typos. Well, you know, you're talking about um, the U.S. Department of Education and and having typos in uh, correspondence that went out to the to the masses. And obviously, something like that can be embarrassing, right? But then, what do you do? Well, they issued a second statement, and in that second statement, there was another typo. <laughs> so you have to be really, you have to pay close attention to detail and, and messaging is, is critical. Having a second or third or fourth set of eyes is critical. Um, and having a team in many instances, you know, that expertise is not available in, in-house. So you, you have to really look outside of the organization to get support. Um, and we find that, you know, many, many organizations, um, find that that is a combination of the two, an internal team, crisis team, obviously, and monitoring team, and having outside support and oversight, um, that, that's the winning combination right there. Because you can't, be, you can't be divorced from it. You can't say, oh, well, we have a company that handles that. And you can't um, say, oh, we can handle all this ourselves, right? So it's a combination. If company executives or even managers of government agencies have yet to 
uh, take steps to be proactive in monitoring for early signs of a crisis, what are the first things you think they should now to help make sure they get on uh, on board and start doing uh, the monitoring that they should have been doing? It's important to identify the department within the, an organization that um, should be responsible for social listening, and that may differ from the um, department that is handling traditional news monitoring. But there's a danger there. If you have different areas within a company, say a social team, might that might be part of marketing or your content team. And then you have traditional media, which is public relations, community relations, et cetera, maybe even public affairs. What happens is in many instances, those two teams are monitoring, but they're doing it in silos. So my recommendation is put it under, have one person be ultimately responsible for not only the monitoring in those different areas that I just mentioned, but sharing information among those teams. So you not only identify potential crises, but you can really see those issues that have the greatest potential to damage your organization's reputation. To help break down those silos, do you recommend those team members that are on their own monitoring different uh, monitoring tools? Do you think they should be part of the crisis response team? It's certainly, it may not be the crisis response team because it should be a level down from the crisis response team because there have to there has to be an individual again responsible for flagging potential crises before it even goes to 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 determine whether this is a crisis or not right and again this is something that has to happen very quickly so i think that you know having somebody um responsible for monitoring across social, across traditional media, and connecting with human resources to flag those internal communications that can indicate a crisis. That person, it needs to be, it can't be a junior person, right? Um, or at least, you know, not, not who's ultimately responsible, right? So, um, that person then would have would take a seat on the crisis response team. That's how I recommend structuring it, Edward. I'm afraid we're almost out of time, Chris, uh, for today's uh, interview. Uh, what do you think is the most important message you want people to remember from our conversation? Monitor, monitor, monitor. Know what's being said about your organization from the inside out and fuse human resources, your internal comms and your social, that social monitoring piece, as well as traditional news monitoring into that, again, a cohesive monitoring protocol, um, and those procedures, again, should be under the responsibility of, uh, we believe, from what we've seen, 
one individual. Um, of course, they can have their 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 teams, um, but have that be the responsibility of one individual rather than multiple, because then there's real ownership and accountability to the crisis response team. Good advice. Thanks again for being with me today, Chris. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Edward. I appreciate the opportunity and um, I'm happy to have uh, joined you today. That's it for this edition of Crisis Ahead. My guest today was Chris Rosaka, author of The Power of B2B Social Media and president of Rosaka Communications. Be sure to come back next week for more advice and insights on preparing for, managing, and recovering from a crisis. Or subscribe to Crisis Ahead wherever you get podcasts. Remember, it's not a matter of if a crisis will hit your organization or company, it's when. And the sooner you're prepared for it, the better. Produced by HeartCast Media.